1: Or visit buylegacygold.com. Earlier today, we were telling you about how California lawmakers wanted to possibly
2: institute or implement this heat wave scale. So we we would know when it's really hot outside, as, as if we didn't already know. And we could monitor and also monitor our behavior, change our behavior if need be. We would know when it's hot or when it's hot as hell or hotter than hell. And now Alex Stone is going to join us to give us some more information about why it's hot. I'll and give how
3: you my own scale. be
4: scale.
3: <laughs> my my <laughs> scale is beep, 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 beep. It's hot. <laughs> oh, my goodness, is it hot. And, uh, Mo, as of six minutes ago, uh, we went into a level two uh, emergency uh, right at the top of the hour. And uh, Cal ISO you, is saying level three is coming at 530. Most likely right around there. And then that means, boo, it's going to be blackouts. Most likely uh, rolling blackouts uh, will begin then. So, you know, this is uh, the basic math of how much power you're generating versus what are you using. And if you come up on the negative side of that, then uh, then they got to begin cutting the power and uh, to keep everything up and running. And... You get the rolling blackouts, and uh, that's where we're going. The head of CalISO saying... We have
2: now entered the most intense phase of this heat wave, and the potential for rotating outages has increased significantly.
3: And it looks like they're uh, nearly inevitable now that they're predicting uh, tonight at 530, an all-time, we've already broken the all-time high, but an even higher high than where we are right now. Right now we are using 51,326 megawatts of power the old uh, record was 50,270, said back in 2006, and we're going up right now really, really quickly as people are getting home, they're turning on the AC, sun's getting lower in the sky, solar panels aren't doing as much. We're
2: looking at energy deficits of two to 4,000 megawatts, which is as much as 10% of normal electricity demand. We need to use every tool available to get even greater energy savings today and tomorrow.
3: So the demand going up really quickly at the the moment and uh, the actual uh, current capacity going down because of uh, solar and, and the sun. So they've been telling us, Mo, for a week, turn up your thermostat, don't charge electric cars, turn off your lights, unplug your laptop, don't run major appliances. That's not going to be enough. Tonight, they're saying it would have to be a lot. Uh, and I don't know what you would do to, to do this much.
2: We need two to three times as much conservation as we've been experiencing to keep the power on with these historically high temperatures
4: in demand.
3: And probably not only today, but uh, tomorrow and Thursday, uh, based on the current demand. And, Mo, this is all in a perfect world that all of the power generators remain up and running tonight and transmission lines don't become overloaded or burn out or, or fall or anything else, that if everything remains up and running, then uh, we're on the verge of, of blackouts. But if something goes down, then, uh, then it's going to go on and be longer in duration and sooner that we would get there. But uh, they're right now, Cal ISO saying probably around 530 is when we'll be at that level and then uh, go from there.
2: Have you seen the movie Armageddon? Yeah, there's a (laughs) there's a there's a line from Owen Wilson where he asks the question about what should they expect up on the asteroid? And they tell him and he says, "Okay, just say worst scenario possible, just the worst scenario imaginable. Just tell me that. And it seems like that's what you're telling us. In other words, um, our infrastructure is inadequate to deal with what we're dealing with right now. We have more electric vehicles than ever before, but we shouldn't charge our vehicles. We're telecommuting more than ever before.
1: so Do people. Do not
3: charge them tonight, yeah. right? So even it, though we're going to go uh, mainly all-electric in 2035.
2: But right. don't charge them tonight. Right. You see where I'm going with this. It yeah. seems like this would be a fool's errand in the sense of we don't have the infrastructure capability, the techn- uh, technological advances to be able to handle the moment, much less three, four years from now.
3: Yeah. Well, the air regulators, they said, well, by 2035, uh, the grid will be a lot better. We'll be good to go, hopefully. But weren't we doing this in like 2003, 2004? And have we done a lot to get any better? And demand has only gone up. And we're breaking the the record tonight. And we're talking about 20 years after those blackouts, uh, maybe 2001 ish. That uh, that here we are again. And we are doing it again, and uh, Newsom put this out. And the risk for outages is real, and it's immediate. These triple-digit temperatures throughout much of our state are are leading, not surprisingly, to record demand on the energy grid. It is immediate um, right now, and part of the uh, level two, what they are doing is putting out the call to energy operators around the, the U.S. saying, sell us your electricity. That is part of a level two emergency, saying we will buy it, make us a bid right now. So that would be a little bit of a savior if somebody, you know, Louisiana said, you know what, we'll make you a bid, we'll sell you a bunch tonight. But short of that, uh, we're running out.
2: How then do we manage the heat wave, and this is more rhetorical, managing the heat wave against the drought. Against the outdoor water ban, uh, uh, how are we supposed to navigate all this? How do you in, do all of it y- at I don't the same know. time?
3: <laughs> you know, I started the dishwasher the other night and said to my wife, "Wow, we are really bad right now. We're doing water and electricity as as we do this. Shame and on you. I know. But at some point, you got to wash dishes, right? I guess you do it by hand, but you got to use water there as well. Um, I don't know. They're saying unplug everything tonight. That. Uh, We need everything we can get, and probably tomorrow night and the night after that. But how many people are really doing that? Are you going around your home and unplugging everything? Uh, Uh, No. Maybe. I mean, maybe somebody is, but um, probably not all that realistic. We've heard uh, PG&E has been warned by CalISO to be ready tonight to begin rolling outages. We don't know about Southern California Edison. So, seems like at this point, at least in some areas, uh, it is going to be inevitable,
2: but... How widespread it's going to be, who it's going to be, we don't know. Is it really, to the best of your knowledge, and I've always wondered about the rolling blackouts, it seems from my limited experience, and I've dealt with them, that it seems like it hits certain communities more often than other communities. I don't believe that it's completely random. To the best of your knowledge, is it by usage or anything like that? From what I understand, and and they, you know, they tell you an hour, and then it will
3: come back on, and you get your AC back, and then it rolls somewhere else. From what I understand, they do it based on where they need it, that uh, where power generation is, where transmission is, that if the San Fernando Valley is using a ton and they're limited in uh, generation and delivery there, boom, that goes down. If Santa Clarita is doing it, boom, they go
2: down. Orange I can't tell you who specifically I think would be inappropriate to, but I can tell you who told me. When I was speaking to Alex Stone, ABC's Alex Stone, last segment, we were talking about the the prospective likelihood of rolling blackouts that we would be experiencing in the coming days, as in the future, because of our energy usage. Well, Fork Reporter just texted me and just said that um, a fellow employee, who I'm not going to name, texted him and said that his house just got hit with a, a loss of power, rolling blackout. And Eric, I'll tell you in the break who it is. But so I say all that to say it's happening. It's already begun. And if my mic goes out, all of a sudden, that, it, that means there's going to be a rolling blackout. So if you hear that happen, just know that it's it's not because of me. It's because we lost power. But there's something else I wanted to tell you about. You guys are a bunch of idiots out there. This has to do with handling yourself over a Labor Day weekend. Nearly 880 DUI arrests in California just over the Labor Day weekend. And that's according to the CHP. And Angel Martinez has been doing traffic. I Usually when I'm sitting in for Tim Conway Jr., who's next up after me, when I'm usually sitting in with Tim Conway Jr., I get to talk to Angel Martinez. But it's it's weird, but it's also a treat. I get to talk to her right now. Angel, are you there?
5: I am. Hi, Mo.
2: How are you? First, how was, how was your holiday?
5: Well, you know, I would be lying if I said that I was in a nice, cool area. And- <laughs> like nobody was, uh, neither was I. So, but I kept it cool, you know, just had uh, kind a of mellow weekend. It was nice. Slept in. It was great. It was great. So happy to be back in the studio and, and um, some nice air conditioning. So that's always awesome.
2: You get to see the vicissitudes of traffic and what happens during a normal week versus a holiday weekend. Do you By chance, and I honestly don't know this. Do you, by chance, get the reports of the DUIs? Do you get the reports of how CHP is managing these types of weekends at all?
5: Well, through the information that I read daily, that um, those stats are not included. However, I can, you know check a few other places and and find how many DUI arrests there were this year i mean they keep that information for every single weekend and holiday year after year
2: but it but as far as just the traffic in general do you find that People And I'm actually trying to make the point that we lose our minds every single holiday weekend. We know that there's going to be maximum enforcement. Like, for example, the first time it rains, we act like we've never seen rain before. and We start crashing oh, yeah. into each other. Like, oh, my gosh, mm. it's raining. There's water. It's on the ground. It's wet. <laughs> I'm slipping and sliding. What is a hydroplane? Oh, my gosh. You know, and we just lose our minds. And it seems uh-huh. like every single, every single Labor Day, Memorial Day, Fourth of July weekend, whatever it is, the CHP will come out and say, Maximum enforcement, we're looking for you guys. We're gonna be sitting outside of bars. The moment you you stumble into your car, we're gonna pull you over, we're gonna have DUI checkpoints, and they still get some eight hundred to a thousand people every single year. And I was wondering, and here's the question, do you find that accordingly that there's worse traffic more accidents more disarray on the highways and freeways during holiday weekends
5: absolutely absolutely and to boot um to follow up with what you said i also notice a stronger presence of um, police on the surface streets and chp on the freeways
2: so even though we, we know going in, there's going to be a higher police presence. This is what we've been asking for. is what we want. We know that people are probably going to get liquored up, and we know that the police are going to be looking for us. Not saying that you should try to avoid police, but hopefully we should try to avoid DUIs and, and drink responsibly and not get in the car and drive. But we mm-hmm. still are our own worst enemy in that regard. It just seems like no matter how much we warn people, we're still just going to be stupid. So is that the takeaway? Yeah.
5: Absolutely. And, you know, something that I notice, and I guess it's just, I don't I don't even know what to call it, you know, the holiday, um, just the ho- holiday vibes, you know, people are like, yeah, we've got a vacation, let's get out of here. And they get in their car and just put the pedal to the metal and try to get to wherever it is they're going ASAP. And there's something that changes in the way that people drive on those days approaching a holiday weekend. And And things get crazy out there. I mean, I notice it just, um, you know, people in minor traffic just getting outraged. I'm like, why are you you getting so bugged? I mean, it's a holiday weekend. You should be enjoying yourself. But there's definitely a level of intensity that seems to increase in people. And it's affecting a lot of people behind the wheel. So things get crazy out there.
2: This was the first holiday that I've had in actual, like, holiday on the holiday which i was not working in i don't know how many years i actually had labor day off where i was not in a radio studio and you know what that's like it's like what is a holiday Mm -hmm. that means we're usually working somewhere somehow Mm -hmm. for somebody and i actually had it off and to your point people were less patient they were more impatient and seemingly it seems like road rage is more a thing now than ever before. I don't know if it's a function of coming out of the pandemic and we're just more impatient overall with everything, about everything, or is it something different in, as far as just California, but it's oh my goodness. I try not to look at anyone. I try not to stare at anyone. I definitely am not going to engage anyone. <laughs> uh-huh. If you cut me off, uh-huh. I will mutter under my voice, but I'm not going to make sh- I'm going to make sure that you don't hear me. I'm not trying yeah. to make eye contact or anything. I won't even make eye contact with Eric or Mark in the studio because I don't want them to, you know, get angry at me and then <laughs> find me in the garage later on.
4: But We're all on a hair trigger around <laughs>
2: here. <laughs> but, but H. Martinez, thank you for confirming what I thought, that the holiday weekends not only increase the, the number of traffic accidents we have, but not only the DUIs that we have. It seems like we are just more impatient with each other than ever before. More bad news, but thank you very much for that. You got it. (laughs) This is the John and Ken Show, and we're going to talk some college football because my SC Trojans are back! Thank you very much. John and Ken Show, KFI AM 640. We're live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. If you don't know, I'm host of the Mo Kelly Show, KFI AM 640, Saturdays and Sundays. Saturdays 6 to 8, Sundays 7 to 10 p.m. And if you listen to me, you know that I'm a Lifelong Angelino, you know that I love my USC Trojans. Didn't go there, but it's my team as far as growing up. I grew up a Rams fan, not a Chargers fan, but a Rams fan and also a USC Trojans fan. And my heart was breaking just about every single year with these Trojans because they were not the preeminent football school in the Pac-12 for quite some time. They were getting out-recruited they were getting outclassed, they were getting outplayed. And I thought a lot of that had to do with we did not have, when I say we, the the Trojans did not have the type of leadership on and off the field which could recruit the top talent to come play for the Trojans. And I think all that has changed. And yes, it was only one game, but you could tell in the way that they played, uh, the way that they dominated Rice over the weekend, It said to me that it will be much more attractive for top recruits and talent to come play
4: for the USC Trojans. NIL money doesn't hurt either.
2: Not everyone understands what that is. So, look, name, image, and likeness deals. Players now, if they are, you know, not necessarily good enough, if they have a, a profile high enough, they can sign deals where they can make money off their name, image, and likeness. And not have to rely on, you know,
4: $100 handshakes. <laughs> and they can't make money directly from the school. They have to get it from this company who maybe let's say Bob's at, car dealership. Right. But Bob also might be a top donor and alumni of USC or UCLA or Oklahoma or whatever college institution you may insert there. Coincidentally. Coincidentally. And it's all legal. I mean, it, it, it may
2: sound a little bit swarmy. It is. But it is legal, and that is the landscape now. That is how the game is played, no pun intended. That's how colleges recruit. If you are a big enough university and you have local businesses or even national businesses which are willing to enter into these NIL deals and contracts with players, merchandising, licensing, then you're more apt to get a higher quality – when I say quality – talent level individual – And this is about competition. Now, when you put this um, next to USC and UCLA leaving the Pac-12 for the Big Ten, you understand that still, this is about money. And if you can't generate the money, then you will not be able to compete at the highest levels. USC, and I can't speak for UCLA, I'm not so sure about that, but USC has always said, we are a football school. We are committed to football, to winning national championships, to be playing um, hopefully in the college football playoff, to be competing at the highest level within the sport.
4: UCLA, I'm not so sure. Well, we saw Cal and Stanford say they might dissolve their football programs because of UCLA and USC's departure to the Big Ten. Which means the Pac-12 is all but dead. Yes, And if you're saying, well, how could that happen? What about
2: the storied rivalries? What about the Rose Bowl? Honestly, that's all nostalgia (laughs) because it still just comes down to money. Now, this is also in concert with the recent news that they're expanding to a 12-team playoff, which says that the idea of conferences will mean even less. You won't necessarily need to win your conference to possibly have a shot at the playoff.
4: Yeah. No, I'm I'm all for the expansion of, of the playoff. I think more schools, more opportunity, more exposure for the players and the and the schools, student athletes. Excuse me.
2: Yeah, they're 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 athletes first, and they also <laughs> go to school. No, 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 no. They're athletes more than anything. Yes, and they also take underwater basket weaving, or sociology, or communications, modern science, or
4: you know, climate change awareness. I want to go back to the NIL thing, though, real quick, Mo. Did you see what the Ohio State quarterback, C.J. Stroud, uh, and top Heisman Trophy candidate, uh, did you see what he did with some of his NIL money? I did not. So what he did before Ohio State's first game this year against Notre Dame this past weekend, C.J. Stroud took $60,000 of his NIL deal and gave each of his Ohio State teammates a $500 gift card to get a game day suit. So $60,000... Hundred and twenty players, five hundred dollar gift cards to get a game day suit.
2: That's significant for a number of reasons, and I know so many reasons. And as someone who may listen is like, "Well, why? Why would he give them money in effect to get a suit as opposed to a um, a textbook or meals or something like that?" Well, when you're traveling with these universities, they're required usually by the coach to wear a suit, and many of these athletes when they get to college, they do not have a suit. They cannot afford a suit, but they're required to travel in a suit. Yes, they're on scholarship and they have all uh, their tuition and their room and board and so forth paid for, but the idea of spending $100, $200 on a suit is just not an option. So these are things which are actually necessary and helpful to teammates and and schools because the school can't buy the, 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 you know, the athlete student, (laughs) a suit, because that would be in violation of NC two, a rules as weird as they are, but that actually, and you know what, because that player did it, he will get that money back in spades. Yeah. He will be looked at as a possible endorsement possibility because he is magnanimous for lack of a better word. He, he, he's that, that athlete, that, Corporations will look at like, oh, this might be someone who can pitch other products for us
4: because he he's put together in that way. Well, and think about just regardless of that, think about on the football field and and in the locker room, think about the leadership qualities it 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 exemplifies in that matter. That's what happens if you're if you're a leader in the
2: locker room, they will follow you on the field. But if they don't believe that's who you are or if they don't believe in you, then it won't matter. It won't matter. Yeah. This is the John and Ken show. When we come back, you might have heard the story. uh, And Mark, you talked about Justin Bieber and his uh, concert tour, which he had postponed.
4: Yeah, I think he put off like 70 tour dates.
2: For those who don't know, I used to work in the music business. And I want to give you some insight about these tours. Why and why not that they are sometimes canceled. And it's not necessarily for the reasons... They, in terms of the artists, may tell you. I'm going to give you a little bit of insight. So that's next. So keep it right here. We're live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Imagine going to a concert of your favorite artist. And I mean specifically a singer. Someone who maybe has great dance songs. I'm thinking like maybe a Janet Jackson or a Beyonce or Britney Spears. Whomever like that. Think in terms of that type of concert. They're known for the great choreography. They're high energy. The great routines of 10 and 15 dancers dancing behind them. Have you ever wondered how these singers can do all that choreography and then stop on a dime and sing a song? Have you ever thought about that? Think about this. I want you, whenever you have an opportunity... To run down the hall and back wherever you are at your job. Let them look at you, laugh at you. However, run down the hall, top speed, come back, top speed, and then sing happy birthday. I'll be right back. Okay. You ready? No, Eric's actually going to run down the hall. Okay. Now, Eric is just taking off down the hall. When he comes back, we're going to have him sing happy birthday. The point is, and we don't have to wait for him to come back. He won't physically be able to do it. You just can't. You won't have the aerobic capacity. Ooh. Now, sing "Happy Birthday." I don't know if I can. Okay, but my but my point is, we're all humans, and it doesn't matter how much you, how great shape you may be in to sing a song and control your breathing and not sound out of breath is virtually impossible. Especially if you're doing all that chore- choreography. It does not matter how many nights in a row you do it. And what your stamina is like, singing is an altogether different discipline. So, Mo, what are you trying to tell us? I'm saying that most of your favorite singers, I can't say all, but most of your favorite singers, the ones who employ the sophisticated choreography, they have not only backup dancers, but they have assistance vocals, you could say. Many times, and I can say this, when I worked at Virgin Records, specifically, we worked on the the Velvet Rope tour. It wasn't highly publicized, and I'm quite sure if you asked uh, Janet Jackson today, she'd probably deny it. I'm just saying this is the truth, all right? She had assistive, I call them like assistive vocals, where there are moments where either she's too tired because of doing the choreography, or in the case like of The weekend, where your voice is going out- they've recorded other vocals to stand in their place. It could have been recorded on a different night in which they're on tour and live. So it sounds live. It sounds exactly like something coming from a concert. It could have been recorded in a, in a studio and and given some ambient noise in the background, but it's for artists who are touring every single night because you'd have to imagine at some point, either your voice is going to get tired Over the long run of all those dates, night after night after night and city after city after city, or you might get sick, which has been known to happen if you do a lot of traveling and it doesn't matter how good a shape you may be in. The, the, the Just the logistics of trying to do all that singing and dancing and not sound out of breath and be able to carry the tune and, and, and sing it well, depending on how difficult the song is, especially if it's a ballad. Have you ever noticed they usually sing a ballad after doing all that dancing? It's not possible. It's physically not possible. Go dance for 15, 20 minutes at the top of your energy and then sing a very slow song. You won't be able to do it no matter how good a shape you're in. And it's because they employ these tricks to either replace the voice or make the voice sound fuller, give just a little bit of assistance, what have you. Not every artist does it, but a lot of them do, and this helps. And when I read a story like this, the part of why how I'm tying all this together, when I read that The Weeknd canceled his concert more recently in, in L.A. At, at Staples Center, and he said his voice went out. Not only do I believe that his voice went out, there are probably other ex- ex- uh, extenuating circumstances because I'm thinking, like, why didn't you have other vocals ready to go? I- I'm saying that there's probably more to the story than just that. I'm saying there has to be more than just your voice went out on that occasion. Or
4: did he not notice anything in sound check?
2: That, too, because we can go back to the whole Super Bowl um, halftime show And for some reason, no one realized that his mic wasn't on or something or wasn't working. So I just think there's more to the story. I'm calling BS on his just his voice went out. I think there's more to the story because there are too many other remedies to help him get through a show just because his voice went out. Because all of this is taken um, into account in advance. You have a singer who's singing night after night. There's a high likelihood that he or she is either going to get tired, fatigued in the concert. Or may be sick over the course of a tour. And you can't just cancel dates.
4: He put on the same exact show the night before at SoFi Stadium. He was in the same exact spot he was the night before.
2: Yeah, that's why I call BS. I mean, it's possible he could have been hoarse. It's possible he could have lost his voice. I've done a lot of singing on on an amateur level. I know what that feels like. Yes, I know what it's like to not have your voice or your horse or you have laryngitis. I get all that. But when you have that many fans in a place like uh, the Staples Center, they're not trying to cancel that, that so concert. Fi. Oh, excuse me, SoFi. SoFi, even worse. Yeah, <laughs> even bigger. Yeah. There, what it takes to cancel a concert in that big a venue, that early into the concert, says to me, as someone who has worked on tours similarly, there's far more to that story. There just has to be more. He canceled it, what, like after the first song or something? I think it was about four songs. Okay, it might as well have been the first song as far as I'm concerned. I just know that there's a way that he could walk up there with no voice at all, and they could have had that concert. It wouldn't have been on the up and up, but they still would have had that concert, and they wouldn't have had to refund anybody's money. Because money, at the end of the day, is the
4: most important thing. Well, I think they're going to end up just saying that tickets are valid for whenever he comes back and they're just trying to reschedule a date. But there's a sunk cost.
2: Yeah, but there's a sunk cost. Yeah, because it's football season coming up and you just can't have SoFi Stadium whenever you want. No. You just can't. And you also have to pay for all the people who are working on this unscheduled date, this added date to the calendar. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I just doubt the story is as they're presenting it. Conversely, when I see that Justin Bieber has suspended his tour to take care of his health, I believe that because a tour of any duration is a serious drain on a performer. Serious drain, especially if you're doing three or four nights a week and there's any type of choreography, and I know there is with with Justin Bieber. And I know Justin has highlighted some of his health problems, and he's documented them over the course of time, so I think there's less reason to disbelieve him in this instance. I don't think there's anything nefarious here. But if I were to call BS on something, I call BS on the weekend. You know, he's welcome to call me. Not that he will, because he lost his voice, didn't he? This is the John and Ken Show, KFI AM 640. We're live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app.
1: Hey Ken, did you know that gold is the only currency that's held its value since the dawn of money? Well I did. Thanks to our friends at Legacy Precious Metals, the most trusted name in gold investing. Investing in gold protects you against inflation and gives you a hedge against stock market volatility. Don't leave your retirement to chance. Call Legacy Precious Metals today at 866-691-2173. Or download your free investor's guide now at BuyLegacyGold.com. That's BuyLegacyGold.com.
3: Even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life.
0: No purchase necessary. VGW.
4: Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
0: Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists. Like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Spentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Fistle Sarah McLaughlin.